Hey guys, welcome to episode number eight of the Journeyman Fire Podcast. Today we have Isaac Frazier on. Isaac is a fireman in Wichita, Kansas, and most of you probably recognize the name from his company, uh, Tactical Advantage Training, of which he is the owner. And he's been doing quality, quality education training throughout this country, kind of known as one of the education gurus. Uh, he's done an FDIC, he's done it all over the country for years. For that, he was a lieutenant, St. John's County, Florida, uh, assigned to a heavy rescue there. We talk about his decision to leave St. John's County. We talk about all the work he's caught and what it's like to be a fireman in Wichita and how much he's enjoying it there. Get a little bit into technical rescue and just some other general conversation about instruction and just talking shop. Isaac is a solid dude and one of the fellas out there that's pushing the fire service forward. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and enjoy. All right, we'll get right into it. Isaac, uh, welcome to the show uh, with Grant, myself, and Kyle. Uh, Just give us a little background on your story originally from Florida. Well, you went from Florida to Kansas now. Uh, Just give us a heads up on your whole story. All right, thanks guys for having me here. I'm actually originally from Kansas, then to Florida then back to Kansas. So it's kind of a kind of an odd mix. Um, born and raised on a farm here in Kansas. My dad did yeah, 22 years for Wichita Fire Department. Retired as a battalion chief, um, started one of the founding members of the rescue team here in Wichita. And I just, uh, I grew up here, grew around the fire service, love it. Didn't know for sure that I wanted to do that, you know, growing up. My dad kind of, he didn't really say much about it. He didn't you know, push me or buy me a bunch of fire truck toys or anything like that. But he uh, came home with a smile every day, smelling like smoke and was a hard worker. So as it went through, I just kind of gravitated that way over time. Um, he ended up leaving Wichita as a battalion and went and got a chief's job in, in Hutchinson, Kansas for 10 years or so. And I was just getting ready to get out of high school and he took a chief's job in Florida, asked me if I wanted to go, went and within, I think it was Man, it was probably two weeks after being down there. I was already in Florida Fire Academy. Got hired down there with St. John's County Fire Rescue, which is northeast Florida, around St. Augustine area. Um, It's about, I think it's 19 stations, something like that now. I think they're adding one. But good department, got hired there, had a ball, worked there up to the ranks, was on a heavy rescue majority of my career um, down there. I was on a ladder for a couple years and an engine for a year or two. But I've uh, been on heavy rescue for a while and just uh, gravitated over time, you know, towards heavy rescue work. I liked it. I drag raced as a kid growing up, loved hot rods, built cars with my dad. That was pretty easy to get into. But um, yeah, that was, that was kind of the, my run down there. Promoted all the way through, got to special operations captain. And I'd wanted to come back to Wichita and work and move back here. I'm an avid bow hunter and, and Kansas deer. You can't get much better than that. So wanted to come home for probably, gosh, I think when I made engineer. So I think probably eight to 10 years, my wife would probably tell you I was haggling her, trying to convince her that Kansas weather and views are better than Florida beach life. Um, it took me about 10 years to convince her of that. And then, um, I decided I wanted to come home. So I was going to push that way and a bunch of stuff happened over time to get me there. And, you know, we'd prayed about it a bunch and it was just something that, that I was really drawn to. I wanted to 
come back to Wichita Fire. Um, I followed it the whole time I was gone. Had a bunch of buddies here, taught at Wichita Hot for years, stayed in contact with, you know, all my childhood friends and guys that I knew on the job. And uh, every time I'd try to come back, something would happen, whether it be I got promoted or my wife got, you know, made charge nurse at work or whatever it may be. It's like every time it lined up that way. And it was really hard, you know, when you get a good chunk of money or you get rank and it's like, man, you know, go back and start over. And everybody that had sense was telling me not to do it. Um, everybody that had sense was telling me to promote, and promote and promote. And uh, finally, I decided to make a decision on my own and um, with my family and decided that that's what I was going to do. My sister was here, you know, my nieces and nephews were here. A lot of family was here. So I decided to kind of challenge the norm and, and go on my own way. And uh, when we decided that everything just started coming, coming in, you know, one thing after the other kept leading me that way. Um, you know, it was really crazy and it may be, almost rear end in a car in Orlando coming back from the conference and it's a Kansas license plate, which is not very common or, you know, I mean, it was a bunch of just weird stuff. And, uh, we were coming back from an anniversary. I've been married almost 15 years and, you know, coming back from an anniversary in Georgia and, you know, we're in a pawn shop or a, not a pawn shop, a, um, antique store. And we don't stop at antique stores typically. And, looking through these, you know, 200 photos, these old photos in a weird side room and a welcome to Wichita falls out, you know, a postcard when applications open tomorrow. It was just a bunch of weird, weird stuff. Mm. Um, you know, they kind of, I don't know, you know, and I, I, I'd read a book and I'll look it back up. Um, they kind of pushed that way. And it was a lot of the stuff with challenging, you know, modern, pretty much all the modern thought press processes to where, you know, we're so focused on money and rank and, and all these things. And, uh, I just want to be a good fireman. So I felt like over time, you know, St. John's County, we were, we covered the deadliest stretch of highway in the country for years and years, which isn't really a bragging point. because we had more people die than anywhere else in the country, mm -hmm. uh, but we were doing three to six heavy pins a month. And we were doing a lot of, a lot of jaws work and tool work that most places weren't getting. Um, it was something that, that I just got a lot of experience in and, uh, you know, super thankful for it. And that led me to, you know, start my own teaching company years later. I think I've been teaching maybe seven, eight years now with my business and uh, tactical advantage training. And we have a ball doing that and travel all over and I'm just, I'm beyond blessed. So once we kind of, everything fell in place, you know, I got a, got a application in everything happened and then you know my interview process was two days after i was teaching at wichita hot which is crazy because hr sets up the interview time so stuff just started falling together and man i just i wouldn't change anything i did people ask that a lot and people tell me i'm crazy for doing what i did but i know you know i'm going to fires and i'm polishing that that i always say my career is kind of like you know a diamond or anybody's is you're going to have facets, you know, all the way around. And maybe I was really good at, at cutting cars or maybe I was really good at this or squad work or whatever it may be. But maybe my forceful entry wasn't that good because we didn't do it. You know, it was all wood frame homes and they, they weren't hard to force. Or maybe, you know, my ladder work wasn't as good as other people or whatever it may be. And uh, Wichita's given me that other facet. So I keep those, you know, I keep working on keeping those facets of my diamond polished. And, uh, 
you know, as I go and, and with Wichita going to the, the fire duty that we do, um, being an urban city, we, um, you know, it just changed everything. You know, I wouldn't be good at basement fires because Florida, we didn't have any basements. People don't think about that. But Wichita, almost everything has a basement. A lot of balloon frame, really old city. We didn't have a ton of balloon frames down there. So it's, it's like I got to start over, but I had this this little, I already had the answer key almost, you know, I knew how to be a good recruit. I knew what officers wanted because I'd been one. Um, so I, I already had that answer key and I knew to keep my mouth shut and clean more than I talked and do all the stuff that I did. But the nice thing when I was cleaning, you know, guys would say you clean too much. You've been cleaning for an hour and a half. What they didn't realize is that my dad was a Lieutenant in that house, you know, 25, 30 years ago. And now I'm cleaning you know, the floors of a firehouse that I visited as a kid that I've wanted to work in my whole life. So easy transition for me. Like, I mean, I, I loved it. I, I love it right now. Um, crazy thing. I just got my, I've been riding engine two, truck two or squad two. I've been at firehouse two on South Broadway, which is one of the heaviest fire duty companies in the state. And, uh, I've had a great time there. I was at engine one for a little while. And I started there and then I just got my, you know, two days ago, I got my letter saying that I'm getting transferred over to the rescue where I've been riding a lot lately. So my permanent assignment will be at a firehouse four. And that's a big deal for me. We're going through the rescue Academy now. And, um, I just got back from SCT up at crisis city for eight days. And, you know, it's pretty cool. You're up on the pile slinging a car, um, for a big scenario and captain comes down and, hollers at me to come down and I said I'd like to finish the drill and he said come down real quick gave me a hug and said you know you're getting moved to fours and I've been driving the rescue last couple shifts and the benefit of being at fours is you know our rescue runs every fire in the city any special incident for uh, urban size that we have we have one rescue so you got all the fires trenches collapse anything good in the city and that's one thing that I've always you know, loved about heavy rescue work. Cause I don't like to listen to fires on the radio, man. I just don't, I can't do it. Um, that was my hardest thing. The recruit Academy was not, it's challenging. It's 16 weeks long for Wichita. And it's no joke. Um, it's taught by incredible, um, Keith Neiman, Meshack, all these guys that teach nationally, you know, teach our recruit Academy and they're very, very good at what they do. Um, so I had, you know, engine guys that were incredible to kind of, you know, dust off my heavy rescue mindset and, and get me back to roots. But man, there's the recruit Academy for me was tough because we would, you know, go out to lunch or be on lunch break and look out and there'd be a header, you know, somewhere in the city that we're not getting to go to. And with, you know, Nemo being a fireman, his radio's on in there. So we're listening to the fires in class. It's like, man, that, that to me was the hardest part. And then, you know, engine one, if, when I'm on engine one or engine two and I hear a fire on the other side of the city, I, I just can't listen, man. I'm not good at it. And I, I mean, I'd rather be going and get turned around than not go at all or, you know, go and help load hose and get and not go at all. It's just kind of the work mindset that I have. But um, yeah, everything came together. We moved. I'm actually building a house on the childhood farm that I grew up on. Um, I got land out here and so I get to bow hunt and my kids, you know, my He's 10 at the time, shot a 16 point, you know, buck this year off our property. And he just killed his first turkey. And my youngest is getting into hunting. And I mean, I'm, I'm living what, what I imagined retirement would be like just having a ball building, obviously building a house is a lot of work, but I'm just, man, I'm so blessed. I always say I'm waiting to find out that I got some 
weird cancer they've never heard of in my brain and I've got 15 minutes left to live because life's so good. Yeah. Was um some of that draw, like you said, you spent a lot of time in special ops in Florida. Was some of that draw just to, hey, I want to be on the line again. You know, I want to I be that back step guy. I can, I can see it. <laughs> Man, to be honest with you, it's hard to beat a spot on the pipe. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Can't and all my, you know, I didn't really have any doubts. I had doubts on family stuff. Like, will my wife like it being negative 10 and blowing 35 miles an hour mm -hmm. or, uh, you know what I mean? That, that was where my doubts, my doubts were never with a fire service. I, I, and no disrespect to you guys, but I know in my mind that Wichita fire is the best fire department in the country. I know that that's my, you know, and you should, you know, think yours is too. But I, the bad thing is I know mine is, you know, and I work with some of the best firemen that I've ever seen. And in Florida, I mean, there were some really good guys, man. I mean, some really good guys. And I didn't dislike that department at all. They gave me a ton. I loved it. I really did. But it's the combo of everything's what I needed. You know, I, I needed, needed all of it. But everything came to validation. Like, everything was validated. Recruit Academy, they said, hey, you know, guys, one of you that graduates here, you know, through Recruit Academy is going to have a, a working house for your first shift. I guarantee it. Out of 16 people. You know, there's enough fire duty in the city of Wichita. You know, you're going to go to fires, period. Okay. You know, everybody goes, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, man, I hope it's me. My first shift, we ran 16 runs, had a fire at Joe's car wash. It's fire in the attic, nothing special. Um, fire in a wall in Fours area, nothing special. And we, I think, turned 16 runs something, 2.45 in the morning, get banged out to a, a house fire first due. Came out as a duplex fire. Get there, it's balloon frame um two-story and it's ginning on the first floor i mean it, it's rolling lieutenant says hey man we got work I mean, it's not an exciting thing because they go to work all the time i mean it's it's time to go to work pop out stretch a line everything like a, you know we've been doing and we run all static bundles low hose beds i mean it, it makes it so easy it's not even funny um get stretched get everything right flake it out don't even have a chance to look back water water's already coming you know bleed it off look um, fireman Doonan, who was truck driver, a hell of a guy, you know, that I, I like, he was working with me welding and a bunch of stuff at once. So he's truck driver. He goes up, forces front door. Um, he's OV. He's supposed to go to the rear, but he saw the squad was masking up and trying to get ready. So he went and forced the front door, you know, smoke boiling. He drops down, does a quick sweep right there, finds a woman inside, um, yells back, Hey, I got somebody by then squad two had masked up. I mean, squad one, I'm sorry, masked up, went over the top of him, cursing and cursing, grabbed her, dragged her out, started doing CPR. And I'm sitting here on the nozzle, you know, like everything's in slow-mo. I'm waiting to go. It's starting to light off. And, man, I said, in my mind, I'm sitting there going, is this real life? That was first day, right? This is first day. First day. you. <laughs> and I'm sitting here going, okay, they're making a grab right now. I'm on the nozzle, everything in my mind, because I, I came from a, a heavy rescue background, go help. I've got to go get that woman. And Nemo's in the class of, man, it's a different story here. When you're on the nozzle, you're on the pipe, you're on the pipe. You do right. not drop the line. You never drop the nozzle. This is you. You know, if somebody tries to take it from you, it's fist fights and elbow, like, that's your job. So I'm sitting there watching this thing, you know, and it's starting to light off at the front door. And I'm like, man, you know, officer's doing his walk, coming back to me and he walks up and says, Hey, you ready to go? Yep. Okay. Let's go. Start to go. And I'm sitting, I just remember being slow-mo going, man, like 
is it like everything that I did, all the heartache, thought, moving, my wife moved all our stuff, selling our house by herself, you know, with, with help from my parents. So, you know, she took a lot of the beat and I'm, I had to move up here three months early to start mm-hmm. a recruiting. When I found out I had the job, I had like three days to tell my department and I had to be on the road to get up here to start recruiting academy. I mean, it was fast. So she's selling the house and she had all that work. I mean, a lot more work than I did, but I just remember saying, Oh man, like everything was, this is it. This is it. You know, we make a push, we're taking a beating. And, uh, we had, God, man, we had a heck of a run for, I think I had eight first ends or something the first month and a half, two months, maybe. And, and just were, and not, that's not the other fires, you know, twos had fires off Gilbert and they had a bunch of fires, but, you know, and we were going to them all, but first didn't work. I mean, it was just one after the other, after the other. I'm sitting here going, man, like, why didn't I do this 15 years ago or like 13 years ago or whatever it may be? Yeah. Yeah, man. I want to be on the nozzle. Everybody wants to be on the nozzle. Yep. My only, my only flip side on that is I'd rather be searching without a line than be on the line. That's his, that's my mindset. I love to search. I absolutely love to search. And, uh, you know, it's just a different world. I'd rather be, you know, it's gin and on one. I'd like to be on, you know, the second floor doing a search and taking a beating and, and doing what we do. But then I, you know, shortly after, I guess I was maybe at, at ones for six months or something that I went to twos and, uh, once is one of the older firehouses still got poles and it's a huge house, you know, engine truck, squad, FTO, like battalions there. There's a bunch of mobile airs there. So that fire, you know, my first fire on NIMS, you know, I'm also watching this whole house dump guys are stacking up on, you know, sliding the poles and it's a full size bunk room, man. It's an awesome place. Well, I found out I roved a little bit, try to meet people and uh, I got moved to twos, which is off South Broadway. Good ghetto house. I mean, awesome firehouse and uh good fireman and um, first shift there i was there maybe you know our shift changed at seven most guys get there six to six thirty get there i think by eight o'clock we had a first in you know good header off zimmerly shoot down another woman trapped um truck two vests in the and in, in the other side we went in you know totally melted my mask it was a i mean just rolling and uh lines dropping and it was another one but i mean 45 minutes in and we do that. And then I think the first five shifts I was at twos, we had five first ends. So, I mean, just, just back to back to back. And just, I mean, just, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, man. I really don't. But, uh, you know, now being on the rescue, I'm doing a little more searching and a little more truck work or opening up or, and they were real good at twos on letting me bump over to the truck when we were heavy. So we would, you know, catch a couple of vent jobs here, go from here and, you know, Anytime I was riding the truck, we had a fire on the truck with another trap and we were searching. And then, you know, as we're, as the engines are cleaning up, we get banged out to another one downtown It's rolling. And I mean, it's just, man, it's like a movie, but a little bit better because I'm in it, you know? (laughs) Right, right. What's the, uh, what's the squad for you guys? Is that like a little mini pumper or like do a lot of, it's it's actually, they're kind of, I don't know, man, a lot of the country's going, going towards squads like yeah. LA County, a bunch of those are real known for that, but Wichita has been running them for a long time. So what you'd run is an engine, say an engine in a squad or an engine truck squad. And they're like a five fit, a four door five fifty pickup with a box that has maybe, you know, it's got a booster reel on it and some water and, and it picks up majority of the, the heavy lifting when it comes to med runs but guys don't mind being on them because they go to fires. They have a kind of a bigger fire area. Not every firehouse has one. Okay. So, you know, they're fun. They're fast. 
Um, you get there, the benefit of a squad is you're not going to do water supply. Mm-hmm. You're not, you know what I mean? You're a two man yeah. company. You hop out. Hey, if the truck needs, if they need help on truck work, you'll go make the truck five man truck. If the engine has a hard time doing something, you may go, you know, if you're later in, if you're first on a squad, um, like as a squad driver, I'd go straight up and I'm forcing the door and I'm feeding line. That's my, and when the line gets in place, I shoot in and, and do what I need to do. Um, and that officer usually backs up fire attack. He's usually first line officer. So it's on fires is a heck of a gig. Um, you just may take, you know, 15 med runs before, or, yeah. you know, I mean, it's a beaten, but it's, I mean, it's awesome, man. It's a, it's a good deal. Perfect. What was the, what was the scariest thing making that move in your head over all those years you were in Florida going, I want to go back to Wichita. What was the, what scared you the most about leaving? Oh man. I think, I think my, you know, if my wife would like it, you know, a lot of things come and go. My, my relationship with my wife ain't, ain't one of those things that comes and goes. So if mama says no, you know, it's no, mm-hmm. I like to think that I'm the boss all the time, but maybe I'm not so much. Um, but yeah, I was just worried kind of how, how they would like it and she's loving it. You know, we're having a ball and, and the kids are loving it. You know, they're going to the school, elementary school that I grew up going to, which is a small school. Um, you know, we live just outside of Wichita and, and have some ground. So, you know, that, I think that was the only thing there, it was a time period, you know, where it wasn't, it was almost how it would be portrayed. Um, you know, Hey man, you know, what, what are people going to think? Or will they, you know, going to Wichita, will they think that I'm running from something? Mm-hmm. Hey, man, maybe he was a captain there. That's kind of weird. He'd go to a back-end guy or you know, maybe his reputation was bad or maybe, you know, guys didn't like him there and he's running or he's trying to get away from something. And that wasn't the case at all. Like, you know, I sat down and talked with my chief and he understood. I mean, he understood what I was doing. Um, the guys that worked with me, they knew that was something I'd wanted to do for a long time. I was very open about that. It's just... And they know if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. So if you think right now with a hundred of your friends, you know, 80 of them have a plan to do something and maybe one or two will actually have the nuts to even pack up and do it. So it wasn't for me, like my wife knew I I would do it. And that's something that I would do. It would just took a little time to kind of get it figured out and make stuff, make stuff right. Cause there's never going to be a perfect time. I mean, there's not, you know, I'll be 35 in, in July and, you know, starting over, you know, I just feel like I said, I had, I already had the playbook. I had a good idea. I just had to learn Wichita's way, but man, people, it's hard because I I say it, you know, I challenge a norm in anything that I do. If I read a book on, on how this is done, I'm going to, you know, try to do it different and kind of see what works for me. And I may take a little thing from this and go, man, you know, I always check background a lot. Who's, who's even saying that we do it that way? Yeah. Like, you know, how many years did he take to get there? And, and, and I, I'm kind of, and that can be a, at a fault, you know, I like to challenge, challenge things, but it's just, you know, there's never going to be a perfect time. All, uh, that's all there is to it. You know, I can, well, but, and what if, and I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't, I just don't like it. Um, I've called multiple guys that I respected um, I had a list of guys that I was going to call and get a feel for, uh, for advice. Obviously my father, he'd been in the job 43 years. He retired as a chief down there. And, um, I respect the piss out of what he has to say. Um, and he said, don't go because he's at retirement, you know, and he fought fire in Wichita for 22 years. Oh man, you know, fires are overrated. Well, they are, 
if you've been to them, you know, for a big portion of your life. But in, in Florida, we did good. I mean, it was all lightweight dresses for the most part and a lot of lightning strike fires. And we did fine, but not this volume fine. Not fine for me, you know, of where I wanted to be. But I was running pins, you know, for every couple shifts we were going to work. So, and that was challenging, but that's challenging for so long. And then when you've done it a long time and you teach it and it's like, man, it's really got to be something legitimate, you know, like really push it to challenge me. And I have to be challenged. I'm that type of person. You know, my captain that I'm going to be working for now, I've been riding with for 20 shifts. He knows, I mean, he's one of the best rope guys I've ever met. And uh, he knows that that's my personality type. I have to be challenged. If I feel stagnant, I've got to change something. Like I've, I've, uh, I've got, I, I have to be challenged and whether it's me challenging or somebody else challenged me or whatever it is. But, um, I just, man, I called these guys and, you know, it was, I called guys that had made moves like that to get feelers. I'd called guys that I respected that I thought would tell me the sad thing is I had it written out of who I thought would tell me not to go and who would tell me to go so I could get a feed on both of them. Mm. But when they all said, Hey man, like why? And I talked to them, not a single guy said, don't go. They said, hurry up. Like you're wasting time. So, you know, I called Cody, you know, he had made the New York to Portland hop. Um, I'd called Brian Brush. He had made the Colorado to Oklahoma. All these guys that I met through teaching and I respect. Um, Jeremy Rubottom, a good buddy of mine that worked with me in St. John's and he's Orlando Rescue One. You know, he left after he made engineer. And um, Scott Shaw, you know, with Cincy, went from Kentucky as a battalion to Cincy to start over. Another rescue guy, um, Danny Doyle like Fairfax to Pittsburgh. I mean, I just had all these guys that I played out. And uh, one of the, one of my favorite ones was Rick George. Like I love Rick. I, I've, I really do. I mean, anytime you see pictures of us and you know, we'll be hugging or, or arm around. I, I just like Rick. I like the way he speaks and how honest he is. And he was at retirement. I called him and I talked to him on the phone for an hour and said, Hey man, you know, what do you think of this? And you know, I talked to him about it for a while and he had this analogy and I don't remember exactly how it played out and he probably doesn't even remember saying it, but he said, Hey man, you know, you're going to make the decision that you're going to make. It's your choice. But when you're, you know, 85 years old and you're sitting in a nursing home bed, your family may still be around. They may not. Everybody's gone. You know, your wife may still be with you. She may not, whatever it may be. And you're sitting on the side of this bed, you know, with your legs dangling down with your floppy socks you know, are you going to sit there and say, Hey man, like, I'm glad I, I took a risk. I mean, moving your family across the country and starting over is a risk, an incredible risk. Um, very calculated on my end, but it's an incredible risk. And, or are you going to sit there and say, man, you know what? I could have done it. I could have been a good Wichita fireman. I could have went to a lot of fires. I, I really could have, I could have been something. I could have been a good FE guy. I could have been on an urban rescue company. I could have, man, I had it. Like, I, I know I did. But I didn't. And I retired at 43. You know, I made good money because Florida's retirement is ridiculously good. I could have retired at 43 and, you know, drawn 75% for the rest of my life and uh, gave that up, which is huge. And, uh, you know, or you're, you're going you're gonna to say, hey, man, I did it. You know, I may have shaved five years off my life because my lungs aren't as good as they were or whatever it is. Or I, you know, ran 10 calls after midnight or whatever. But, uh, you know, your kids will smile at you and they know what you did. I mean, I just did a thing at my kid's school yesterday. You know, the teacher knew I was a Wichita fireman, asked me to come in and you know, his kids are asked these questions by the end, you know, six or seven of them wanted to be firemen when they get older. My son who raised his hand and said, Hey, 
you know, uh, dad, will you ask everybody what they want to be? You know, cause he wanted to be able to say that he wanted to be a fireman and I've never done anything special with him. You know, he may come up to the fire hall every once in a while and, and see the trucks or, and I'm huge on spending time with kids if we're at a grocery store or whatever it may be. Um, cause I remember my first ride in firehouse four, the old fours, um, with John German and my dad and Terry moon. And, you know, that was my first ride in a fire truck and I was young and, um, you know, that's a big deal to me. The other flip side that people don't realize is, you know, with my dad being a founding member of the rescue, it almost brings me to tears. I'm writing that rescue right now. That's my permanent assignment. The one that my dad was, you know, one of the founding members of in, in early eighties when they did a transition to this type of rescue work. Um, so it, to me, I mean, there was a captain there riding in for a couple hours the other night that rode back in for my dad. And now I'm driving him on the rescue last day, you know, for it's, it's crazy, man. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. And, uh, man, I wouldn't change none of it. I wouldn't, you know, if somebody told me I made a, a, a bad move, I'd probably say, man, that's your opinion. If people have problems with me. I've always said that too. If people have a problem with you, man, that's their problem, not mine. Like, I, I don't really care. You know, if you want to go, go behind the thing, get your teeth knocked out, I'll do that too. Yeah, I think that goes against conventional thinking. Everyone thinks, I think it's the old school mentality of you get a job when you're 18 and retire at 50 and, you know, you have to stay with one department. And I think there's something to be said for the loyalty aspect of it. But Oh, yeah. I don't, if, if your passion is to catch some work, which I believe most of us do want to do that. Oh, yeah. Hey, if, if you got to leave and you got to do what you got to do, whether you're a captain, a chief, or you got 15 years in, um, I know it's ran through my head. I'm assuming the other two had the same thought. Hey, what if I went here? What if I took a chance and tried this big department, you know? So. Oh, me and, me and Grant have talked about that. There, there's, oh, sure. Where's he going to go? Orlando, Lauderdale? What's his thought? Uh, uh, know, somewhere somewhere on a tropical <laughs> island. Where there's a Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> I made my move from Ohio, so I, yeah. that was my job. Yeah. And, and I mean, that, that's the thing with any of this is there's a couple of things you're going to do like that, that have made me what I feel like successful in, in business. I didn't have a business plan for an extrication company. I didn't, you know, I went along and I took, took stuff that I traveled and went to classes for probably 10 years. And I took little things from each, each class. And a lot of it was stuff that I thought was kind of piss poor and I didn't like. And instead of grouching about it and saying, Hey man, that guy sucks. I just made my own thing and, and put in what I thought needed to be there and it's worked, but I've never marketed. I've never paid a penny for marketing. Um, it's all word of mouth, which I think fire, you know, the fire service is, but on the flip side, you know, man, I'm not, I'm not going to go on that rant yet. I'm going to wait till you guys ask me that. But my big thing is don't let rank, don't let other people's opinion, don't let any, any of that stuff, money, keep you in a place where you don't want to be. And I'm not saying be a department jumper. That's not what I'm saying whatsoever. I never said, Oh man, I would like to work here or here. There's a list. I was going to work for where I worked or I was going to work for Wichita fire department. That's it. Hmm. There wasn't, you know, aspirations to work for FDNY or work for these other places. I wanted to work for Wichita fire department. And that was a very calculated thing, not just the nostalgic part, but it's a very traditional fire department. I mean, established in 1886 or paid in 1886. Um, local 135. I mean, it, it's it's old, but they're progressive. That's what I always loved. You go to FDIC and there'd be seven guys from Wichita, you know, 400 and some man department, seven guys from Wichita teaching on the big, you know, the big stage. 
that says a lot about the department to me. When you've got a department that's got 10,000 people that has three people teaching, you know, and I'd always run into these guys and they were passionate and I just, I don't know, man, I, I, I knew what I was doing and I knew what was going to happen. And there's some guys that said, Hey, you know, maybe, maybe it's good and maybe it's not, or, you know, maybe I don't like you cause you came from somewhere else. And that's their problem, man. Like that's not mine. I just do my thing. Uh, why don't you talk to us a little bit about what that 16 week Academy was like, uh, the differences going through a department Academy as opposed to the state Academy, like you did in Florida. Okay. State Academy is state Academy. I mean, that's, and I don't mean that in a negative way. Yeah, I do. I kind of do mean that in a negative way. What I'm saying is one of them is based off a general layout, right? A cookbook per se is what I see. So we have to spend 13 minutes on a come along and 12 minutes on a high lift jack or, you know, just like your state, any of your state extrication stuff or general things that have to be done. This has to be met. My problem with state Academy may be that maybe the guy teaching the come alongs never used to come along, or maybe the guy that wrote the book, I do that in my teaching period. I always ask you, Hey, you know, I was just in South Carolina a week ago. Hey, you know, who, who teaches your guys' stuff? Oh, it's a state thing, thing, thing. Okay. Now, on that thing, you know, who wrote the book? Because that's the basis of what we do. Oh, oh, I don't know. I said, well, would you listen to somebody, you know, tell you how to drive a car if you don't even know who's telling you? Or, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm a big fact checker. I don't want to be taught by some. This is the only service or uh, job, I guess, if, if you want to call it that, in the world that will take teaching from somebody who hasn't done it. And I don't, you know what I'm saying? If you take a brain surgeon, for example, if he's teaching at Miami Med how to do brain surgery, he's done a bunch of brain surgery. He's one of the best brain surgeons around. You know, to me, to teach it, you need to have your, your background and your skill set, but, and you have, need some experience, like a lot of experience in it. It can't be just experience based, you know, because I know guys that get a lot of work that aren't that great. So it's got to be this whole picture, but, you know, a guy that's retired, you know, and he was in the fire service in, you know, 1955, and he's writing the chapter on, you know, extrication tools. He's going to be more towards, you know, spreading hinges instead of cutting hinges because in that time period, or you know what I'm saying, back then, and I don't think they were around back then, but you know what, you know where I'm getting. Back then, you spread hinges because the cutters didn't have the power to do it, which is why a lot of people spread hinges. Or, you know what I mean? Like, you have to, man, state academies, and that's whether it comes to VMR or anything. Like, it's made to be off a general consensus. They want people to know a general amount of information. With Wichita, and I love the 16-week academy because we're learning for Wichita. We're learning Wichita's way. It's not a state way. This is how we do hose bundles. We don't have to learn triple air. We don't have to learn this. And we don't have to practice pulling off 19 foot high hose beds. And we don't have to do all this. And, you know, we're going to throw in this type of ladder. We don't carry them. They carry them in California, but it's in the, in the book that we have. You know, we don't have to do that. We have sub, subject matter experts, in my opinion. Um, if, you, if you even use the word expert, it's, it's kind of an odd term. But say we're doing four splintery. You know, it may be Mark Meshack comes in and teaches that with Sammy Hiddle or, or it's different guys or we're doing truck work and, and rescue work. Okay. Kleinschmidt comes in and he teaches this part. And then, so they take all the, these best guys from the city 
and they bring them in and show our way, which is the way we're going to be doing it. You know, we don't have this global fire service that, you know, I work at Wichita for, you know, a year and then I go to Colorado and for a year and then I go do roof work in Seattle for a year. You know what I'm saying? I don't like the one, one size fits all. Um, but with us, you know, the way we do hose loads, it's sets and reps, I mean, period, on any of it. I, I can't imagine in 16 weeks how many times we pulled, you know, I was a nozzleman pulling line. I can't, you know, a thousand times maybe, I don't know. It was nonstop, you know, for splintery, whatever it was, everything was put together as our writing assignments, because when you hit the floor, this is the way it's going to be. Okay. You know, so I have an easy time studying, you know, this, this chapter or whatever it is, you know, that they put together, it's written by one of the top engine guys in the country and it's presented to me from one of the top engine guys in the country. And then I get to practice it with one of the top engine guys in the country. And I can sit there at night after we've been out for 10 hours doing stuff and I can read through that chapter or whatever it is written, you know, on the piece of paper in my notes and take every bit of that for exactly what it is. You know, I, I, that's, that's gold to me. Just take it all in, not looking for the, you know, through the book and going, okay, that's for that test coming up. That's underneath a picture. So that's probably better information. I probably need to highlight that because it's under the picture. And we all know that they use the test, you know, the test questions are from under the picture or, I mean, just, for example, uh, packing up, you know, gearing up is so huge in Wichita. By the time you're done, we, we're gearing up every day for time, right? Just, just to show that we can do it. And there's guys getting down to that 30 to 31 seconds on air, breathing air. You know, and these are clip jackets. These aren't zippers. I mean, this is, but in the beginning, they weren't that fast, but it's just a bunch of volume, 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 volume until guys are dominating. I mean, just doing incredibly well. So, I mean, I really would put our guys against anybody, absolutely anybody, but I'm being taught by those guys and the papers are written by those guys and the, you know what I'm saying? It's not some guy that we don't know. And I don't, I, I know it could be a great guy and, and maybe it was, but I mean, we stretch, we four stores, we do this, we do this. We didn't do fancy stuff. I mean, that's how I teach. All my stuff is reality-based training. Yeah, I mean, that's what it is. That's what I do. I don't really teach anything on I pride myself on that I haven't done in real life. So I'm not going to teach you to, you know, you'll have the background for it, but I'm not going to put a, you know, car up on a skyscraper unless we're doing some sort of drill. But in classes, I got two days, I got to give you everything I got. I'm not going to do some funky stuff that takes six hours for a 1% call or less. I've got to make the dudes the 99% kick ass. That's what I got to do. Oh man. And everything's sale. It's all sales pitch. Oh, you know, did you see, we had this on Facebook and it was seven semis stacked up. And then, you know, we made a tripod and did all this weird stuff. Yeah. But it took you, you know, 13 minutes to pop a door. Like, like my grandma's passed, you know, she's passed on, but I could push her up in a wheelchair with a tool and get a door pop faster than you did it. I think that you know hurts the students too. I don't mean to cut you out. Yeah, the students when you, you give them a doomsday scenario and, they don't even get a win sometimes, you know, Hey, we got to go home. fellas. Uh, sorry. you halfway through, you cut through one car. There's six more to go. Um, yeah. I just did a recent class here and they, they made it. So, Hey, you were going to finish them two to three hours. And if you didn't, you never necessarily screw up, but Hey, we'll work on a few things, but it, it was set up on purpose that way. So, Hey, you were going to have a win. Yeah. going to be challenging, but sh we got to win here. We got it for your, you know, your, your psyche really, you know, just to say, yeah, hey, and to get stuff done. But yeah, the doomsday scenario sometimes just don't 
Yeah, and I do funky stuff, but it's things that I've ran into. It may be a crazy stabilization or, you know, car on the back of a uh, fuel tanker that's locked up. Like, I've had that happen. So that's not a weird thing to me. Some of my stuff may be weird, but, like, I don't crack the egg and, you know, fold or whatever it's called in your state because every state has something different. I mean, a dash lift here or a side out here is a, you know, San Fran cripple cross there or, a, you know, Charlotte high rise or whatever. And I'm just using random things. Yeah. Um, everybody's got their own name for something because they want to think that they made it up. But when you look at it, it's like, man, I'm so big. And, and people that take my class know that I'm big on leapfrog and a tool work and all this thing, because we used to train even in special ops, we'd have a couple cars in the junkyard and 18 guys would stand around it and we do tool work and it would fall apart and we go, man, we're really good. We weren't good. We're good at using a sawzall. You know, what we weren't, what we weren't good at is what actually happens. Put an engine and we changed that way. Put an engine there first, let them operate with their combi tool and, and stabilization and stuff for three minutes. And then, you know, a truck company comes in with more equipment and they start to work and then a rescue will get there in four minutes. And then they, but it's that transfer from engine officer to truck officer, truck officer to rescue officer. And you start to work together and say, Hey man, you know, and we would film, we would film on the dash and we would do everything and say, man, like, why did I go back to the rig seven times through this entire call when I could have made it in two passes? Or like, why is the sawzall back in the farthest compartment, you know, with a high rise bundle and it ain't where it should be, you know? And that comes down to, you know, with Wichita guys that are on these rigs are specking these rigs. I mean, they're huge on that. And, uh, you know, Neiman and all these guys are, are big on the engine. Meshach, all these guys are big on, on doing the engines, putting them together. And that's why you've seen a transition over the years totally change. And now our hose beds are lower than my nipples. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, I mean, man, it's insane to me. And <laughs> I just, man, it, it just, it, it blows me away. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a realism-based training guy. I, I like to think that when I speak, you know, in classes, motivational guys are like, man, I thought this was an extrication class. It is, but this all comes together. You know, nobody wakes up and says, hey, man, you know, I'd, I'd really like to be an average fireman today, you know, or, or I'd like to gain 10 pounds this year, or I'd like to be an addict, or, you know what I mean? Nobody, nobody does that. Nobody wants struggle. It just happens, you know. But my thing is I have to look in the mirror. I, I'd say that to guys all the time, look in the mirror. Hey, I was at my station and my, you know, my department wouldn't send me to this training. Okay, let's look in the mirror. If you, if you take a look in the mirror approach on anything that you do, if you're having struggle, or even if you're not, look in the mirror. Okay, well, what do you mean by that? I had a guy in two classes ago that said this. He wouldn't let me to go to this training, the chief. Okay, let's look in the mirror here. You know, what did you do to get to go to the class? Well, you know, I told him it was real cool and, and I asked him. Oh, okay. So where's the benefit for the chief? What do you mean? Well, when I would go to classes, what I'd do is about a six-page paper, the benefits for the department, what I was going to bring back, and already have a general layout for, you know, a PowerPoint or a presentation to work with guys. So for his benefit of sending me there, 130 guys on this shift will get trained, you know, at least, and then I can work on the other shifts for half pay or whatever it may be, and I'm going to come up with this plan, and this, 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 this. Oh, man, that sounds like a lot of work. It is a lot of work, but the class you're going to is a lot of money. You got to look, you know, and say, hey, man, you want to put in, if the guy won't put in a work for a presentation to say, hey, you know, I want to go to this class, then he's not willing to put the work in, period, to present it when he comes back or to, you know, to help or, or, or make it worth the $1,200 or whatever it is to go fly somewhere and do something. 
So, you know, my big thing's looking in the mirror because you know right now, and this is an analogy that it, that just comes up. Actually, when I was in church the other day, there was one instrument that was kind of off key. Well, what do you notice? I mean, this every Sunday, it, it's awesome show and it's loud and we got this whole thing, the praise series, and you're sitting there and there was one thing that was kind of off key. But what do you notice? You notice the thing is off key. Right. You always do. You don't notice that four people are playing incredibly. It's the one thing that's screwed up. It's the same thing with the fire service. You know, it takes more to get noticed doing good than it is when you're not doing good. So if you're doing bad, you're going to get noticed. And like with Wichita, there's nowhere to hide. I mean, out of our 22 stations, probably eight to 10 of them are good fire duty. I mean, 22s, 11s, 5s, 1s, 2s, 4s. I mean, there, there's tons of good ones. 19s, there's tons of good firehouses. Um, so, like, when you really look at it, it, there's nowhere to hide. But, you know, you, you've got to perform. And to perform to me, you have to look in the mirror. Everything that I do, I look in the mirror. Hey, man, when I presented this, was, was it any good? Or where was kind of weak points? And I asked people not to get offended. You know, all the training that we would do. Um, in the yard. I mean, we did eight years. We went, you know, three to five cars every Wednesday for eight years straight at an Audi Mercedes. I mean, it was an awesome junkyard until it went to Orlando. It moved away. But we learned so much doing that. I mean, it was a lot of, a lot of training. And we would slowly do, you know, different things. And we say, hey, man, you know, I don't really like the game plan here. Okay, let's talk about it. Um, you know, this is how we popped doors for a long time. So here's, here's the general playbook. Let's look at this and let's challenge the norm on everything that we do. And let's pop the door, you know, this many times and see if there's a backup for it. Because everything that I teach has at least a three-step backup minimum. So say it's a door. You know, if you're doing a side attack nader and it starts to delaminate, there's not much fix for that, right? We got away from doing that probably 12 years ago. Um, and the reason was because there's no backups. If I'm doing, say, a vertical crush, I start to do a vertical crush, uh, one of five things will happen. I get an instant pop or I'm going to go vertically down a couple short spreads, get there. I can, if, if I have issue or DLAM, either it's going to tear out of the actual B post, it's going to tear out of the door, which all the door opens on all of those. Um, or I'll hit it with the cutters. I've got a good exposed there. So I've got, that's actually a, you know, four or five step game plan to fix that. But when I would travel around and go to classes, Hey, you know, why are we doing what we're doing? Um, you know, the books always said that that's what we've always done that we would never get. I wouldn't understand why we were doing what we were doing. And that was my big focus when I started teaching. I'll show you exactly why a dash works. I'll show you why this lift works this way, because on a bad underride, when, you know, that that dash cross beam is separated and you start to try to lift the dash the only way that you've been shown because the book showed it and the dash goes down instead of up. If I don't know why I'm doing what I do and I can't fix it, there's no fix. You know, I'm screwed. So, and that's because I've been in that position. I've made a lot of mistakes, man. I mean, that's how I learn. But my goal is not to make the same mistake over again. That's when we got a problem because that can be a crutch too. Man, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. That's true. But this is the third shift in a row you made that mistake. And it's the exact same mistake. So the mistake is that I thought you could learn it, you know, after three times and you haven't learned off that. So, you know, I... I don't know, man, that was kind of a really long run on, <laughs> on state, state fire academies and stuff. And I think they're great. And I think a lot of the instructors are great. But, you know, I think everything we do, I've been successful because I've surrounded myself with good people, man. I mean, really good people. I don't teach with any guys. Like, if you look at the cadre of guys that I use, 
they're all proven guys. And not only are they proven guys, they're proven guys to me in the fact that they're a good family man and they're loyal to their wives and, you know, they love God or whatever the case may be. I've owned the business so I can make, you know, my checklist, whatever it wants. If you don't like that, they go to church and that's your problem. It's not your business. It's mine. But I've got this basis. All the guys I use, I mean, look, Terry Lorson out of Philly, squad 47. He's a street proven guy. Yeah. I mean, very street proven. Um, you know, guys from Denver or wherever it may be, the guys I use, it's typically a lot of urban guys, um, but it's a lot of guys that aren't, you know, um, Hillsborough County, Palm Beach County, because usually your crash basis is better there than it is urban. Um, but man, I use good, good people, which makes me look good. You know, when we do FDIC and stuff, um, which we may put back in for that again this year, um, you know, I use good dudes. I'm around good people. To me, it's easier to be a good fireman to be accountable when you're doing work. You know, it's harder. And this is my opinion. I've been lucky to be at the busiest houses pretty much any, 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 any time. Um, but it's easy for me to stay motivated and train on fire attack or search when I know there's a, you know, 75% chance I'm going to a fire today. It's very, very easy. You know, everybody always, if you got a test tomorrow, right? I mean, and you're in college and you got a test tomorrow, you're going to study. Because you know that test is coming up. My test is coming up, whether it's this shift or next, especially with the rescue now, because we go to every fire in the city. But it's easy to do that. Now, if I'm an outlying station, there's nothing wrong with it. It may be, you know, the cards that you're dealt, and I'm going to capitalize on that. But it's harder for me to stay motivated. Um, I did a stint for three months when I got promoted to engineer out on an outlying beach station. Man, the prettiest view ever. But I didn't even know that I wanted to work there anymore. Like, it was that bad. I mean, you walk in, your heart rate drops down to about 52, you know, and it's like, oh my word, you get a workout in. All right, there's an hour done for the day. You know, we've got this many left. Like, wow, man, you know, I, I need to be challenged. I need action. That's just, that's just me. Um, but it's easier. I mean, it, it, there's no doubt it's easier to stay motivated when you're in a place that goes to work. I mean, period. It, it just is. So was that your was that your state fire college answer you were looking for? That, that was everything. That was good. <laughs> so your teaching is uh, up to this point has primarily been uh, extrication and stuff. Now with the uh, change in fire duty, what what's your plans in the future? You think you might might switch that up a little bit or? Man, I don't know. I, I really don't like extricate. I mean, I raced cars for a long time. I love cars, and what it's taken me to get now. Gosh, I'm almost sixteen, seventeen years on the job. Um, what's taken me that long to get is hard to not continue to pass on. Um, you, you know what I'm saying? I mean, we worked a pin, worked a pin a couple shifts ago. I'm still catching work. It may not be the 150 mile an hour versus, you know, versus a tree that I had before, but it's still there. I mean, we're running every pin in the city, so I still have it. And it's just, man, that's kind of where I, I fell, you know? And I think it's going to take me like I'm polishing facets now and I'm, I'm having a ball doing it, but I don't know that, you know, I, I don't really know grant to be, to be, you know, to be honest with you, I'm so busy doing, doing what I'm doing right now. And, and, uh, in the focus that I'm in now and, you know, I, I had a wait list for years and, uh, I canceled the wait list a couple months ago and said, Hey, you know, put a Facebook, my first Facebook post out on it and said, Hey, I'm, I'm probably going to open up some classes for extrication to, to host apartments and man, I was blown away. I really was. It was, it was crazy. We had like 64 departments in an hour and a half, 
you know, requesting to do classes. So, you know, as long as the want is there and guys are getting a lot out of it, it's hard for me to kind of break off of that right now. But man, I love search. I love all that stuff. But I just feel like I'm, I, you know, being a student of the game, I've got to, I've got to play with that a lot to get at the level that I need to be to really, you know what I'm saying? To really, for example, let, let me, let me, I'm going to make this, it's not going to be a short answer, but right now, and this may make friends and, and it may not, but I've got, you know, three or four good friends. So I don't necessarily need anymore. I've got a lot of acquaintances and right now, if I want to start a business, this is one of my peeves. I just talked to a Chris James from Denver rescue Two about it on the way home two days ago. If I want to start a business, I have to start a Facebook page, right? And convince people that I know something that maybe I do, or maybe I don't. The only person that knows, you know, is, is you, you know, the, the problem is to get popular. Some people claim that they've done things that they maybe have not done. Right. And there isn't a lot of fact checking that that's my issue. So when you look at the fact checking part, Think, think when you were new on the job, right? I traveled for, gosh, 10 years or something, going to classes, the department let me go all over the place. When I was early on in the job, I didn't really fact check anything. You know, that guy was an instructor, man. I mean, he's an instructor. So I'd go and I'd listen and say, man, that kind of, I don't know how that would work that way. But I took it, you know, took it for gold. He's an instructor, man. You know, as you get in, a, you know, the job for a while, you go, man, you know, you start to fact check. And it would be the equivalent of me teaching basement fires and being out of Florida. True. Nobody, I mean, guys are like, man, do they even have basement fires? Well, he must, I mean, he must know he's an instructor or say it's, you know, Fort Splintry, for example, another one, I can buy a door prop and bang on that thing for two weeks to start a new Fort Splintry page. But if you really sit down and you, you look at a guy like Sammy and pick his brain on, on FE, there's no comparison. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like the door prop does not compare to, you know, a fortified commercial rear. The door prop can't do that. Or we just had forced the door. Me and uh, Jared Casey was on truck two for the day. Um, we came over on the rescue. I hopped out, ran around to the back, and he was forcing a rear door on a duplex fire we had. It would have been, I've been gone for three shifts um, up at SCT, but he, uh, it was a couple shifts, it was probably five shifts ago now. And I go around rear and he's having a hard time forcing his door. I mean, he's done good. The jam's kind of blown out. And it was weird. And uh, I go up and I said, hey, Case, I'll, I'll strike for you. And he's a big dude. I mean, he's a freaking monster, man. One of my favorite dudes. And uh, he looks over and said, all right, man. So right when he, he puts a Halligan in a strike, you see a drop bar. Okay, hey, man, we got a drop bar. So he throws it on there and I drive the piss out of it. Right, 12 strikes. It would have been probably two for him, but 12 for me. And I'd drive this thing off. Okay, we're ready. So he pushed his shoulder to go in. Fire's in the adjacent. There's a dog barking in there and it smoked, you know, smoked out. And uh, he goes, he goes, um, it still won't open. And I'm like, hey, man, you know, I'm a littler guy. Let me try to sneak through that six inch gap. You know, you're a giant. And he's like, all right, man. So I look around and I've never seen it before, man. It was four 22 inch rims, right? Car rims off a of donk or whatever. You know, they're lined up in a row with a stop, a two by six stop at the rear to stop that door from opening. I've never seen a four twenty-two inch rim. <laughs> you know what I mean? Fortified door. It doesn't even make sense. 
But that's that thing that, you know, we're reaching over the hook and start popping them up and they're cheap because they're ghetto, you know, they're a ghetto rim. They're not, they're not an expensive one. So they weigh like 700 pounds a piece. So I'm trying, trying to finally get it up, throw the rims off. We get the dog out. No big deal. But that experience right there to me goes in the memory bank, right? Will I ever run into that again? Maybe, maybe not. But that wasn't a door prop. So I think sets and reps are good on door pops when you add it with experience and when you add it with all these other things that make an entire kit, right? To, to make it successful in that stuff. What you think about that? Just like the rest of the answers, buddy. They've all been good. <laughs> Man, I'm trying. <laughs> um, I'm trying to read these notes that I've stolen off Facebook pages and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's just like the rest of us. Kyle, you got something? Yeah, so Isaac, you made that jump um, from Florida to uh, to Wichita. The uh, First of all, you, you've got to be a shit magnet. They had to have a reduction of fatalities on the interstate and because you brought everything to Wichita. <laughs> I mean, just sounding where <laughs> – we read it's like man the black cloud went west across the across the country i I may or may not have been called a black black cloud a good portion of my career that may may be true (laughs) i'd like to research the fatalities there now on the interstate i I guarantee they're down a little bit i'm sure they're i'm sure they're still kicking it bad thing is a lot of the ones man i'd be going to vacation and pick up a pen on the way home right with my kids in the car i mean (laughs) I, i don't even know how many times I mean, there was la- the last year before I left, I think there was like five pins that I showed up first through just on my pickup truck, you know, and I didn't got, I don't got a scanner or radio. I just pull up and hop out and, you know, a leg's half tore off. And I mean, my wife's like, what? And she's a nurse. <laughs> she's like, what is going on here? You know? And, and it was, I mean, that's just how it is. And I love it. I mean, you got to be able to think you, you never really turn the switch off. I mean, I, I, uh, enjoy pins on and off duty if it's off duty it's just as good i just don't have very much stuff <laughs> well it helps you got a cutter and spreader in the back of your pickup truck i may or may not i <laughs> may or may not he's like ryan walt down in florida's got all that hose in the back you got a cutter and spreader in the back of your truck <laughs> i may i may um so when you made that transition i know um a lot of guys that i talk to say the the hardest thing for them especially ones that are officers is going to make that change to riding backwards you know you for years made the the calls uh in the front right seat of that 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 apparatus what is that transition like has it been harder uh you know has it been easier than you thought or in any you know suggestions or recommendations to people that might be in that same spot man to be totally honest the transition has not been bad at all um i feel like it's a harder transition not as much with officers but it's a harder transition with guys that that don't have much time on Right. So a two year guy, you're coming in with some experience, which I'd never said anything about. Um, you know, I tried to keep quiet and, and jump on the dishes and do what I what I needed to do. Um, but it, it seemed like it was, you know, that two year guy was a little, little not as happy about me being there as the captains. But let me give you an analogy here. And this is with Wichita. So you can't test to be an officer, for example, a lieutenant. until you got five years on the job, period. Doesn't matter if you came somewhere or anything else. You can't test. You can't be a driver until three years on the job. So, you know, I, for, for an officer, say he's a captain, he had a minimum of five with an additional probably two to three, probably the fastest he could make it seven, eight, nine years or something. So I would not have, I, I never felt weird because extrication was my main thing. 
and the volume here is not as much. So it's not like I'm coming in from St. Louis and saying, hey, man, I've been to more fires than you. I've been to more fires than you. You know what I mean? So I didn't really feel that that uh, controversy yeah. or that weird feeling between officer, you know, and me. Um, I would help them any chance I get. Hey, man, you need help with reports or you need me to proofread an email, anything that I could do, you know, not always the fun stuff I would do, you know, do to help them. But imagine if you were going, for example, to how can I put this? Say you're going up to work in Delaware, right? And you find out you get there and you're coming and you're an officer from somewhere else and you're starting all over and you get there. And when you show up, the guy that walks out is, is uh, Lombardo, right? And Lombardo is going to be your captain. Are you going to have a hard time coming from where you come to, to work for Lombardo? No, oh, hell no. The answer is absolutely not. So it may not be as, as big of a name. I mean, on the, on the national realm, but when I show up and I've got a guy that's got, you know, 15 years, 20, like my captain, my captain, um, you know, now has well over 20 some years on the rescue. You know, my, even my Lieutenant, if I was riding on truck two or whatever, two's had over 20, 22 years or something in ghetto houses in Wichita. Am I really going to compare, you know, and go, Oh man, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He knows what he's talking about. He is very good at what he does. So there is no, you know what I mean? There's no dick measuring there whatsoever on mine and thinking, man, I could really do that better. No, you know, I, I don't. And I think just going with experience, being around experienced guys and having a plan like that. Now, if I showed up and, you know, the guy had two years on the job, he drove for six months and now he's, you know, a Lieutenant and tested well, and he could test it six months on the job and, you know, he's doing dumb stuff. Oh man, that would be tough. That'd be really tough. But we don't have that caliber in, in Wichita. We, we just don't. So it's not something, it's hard to talk on it because we don't. And I respect rank, period. But I also respect rank with guys that really know what they're doing. And these guys know what they're doing. Hey, Isaac, um, I want to hit on something Grant normally asks this yep. question, but from the tactical rescue realm of things, um, you know, Grant's always asking, hey, what, what can we do better in the fire service? And, you know, what are we missing? What are we missing in the technical rescue thing? I've, I've been fortunate to take a few classes recently. I uh, did what's called the Rescue Challenge here in Virginia. Uh-huh. Four days, eight scenarios. We're doing confined space, trench rope, the whole deal, right? For yeah. me, one of the biggest frustrations is, and I see we're kind of on the cusp of it now, folks kind of going to MPDs and IDs and trying to be a little more efficient in their uh-huh. but you know, at least in my place, not talking bad about it. There's a, there's some slight resistance to that change, but God, some of these scenarios, you know, you go to a trench and you're like, Hey man, what, you know, Billy's been down there for X amount of time and we just got somebody to put their, their hand on him to say, yeah. Uh, all right. Now we need airbags. Now we need this. Now, yeah. what is your experience in special operations? How can we be a little bit quicker at actually, you know, rescuing these people as opposed to, taking an hour to set these things up. Well, as you know, or anybody knows, time's our number one enemy, period, with any of this work. Um, when it comes to technical rescue, you know, guys say slow down and it's not as, you know, time, time, or hazmat's real slow. I don't believe in that whatsoever. I really don't. Because whether, you know, Mama Joe's trapped in a house fire or Mama Joe is trapped in, you know, a trench or a confined space or up on the scaffolding or whatever it is, it's the same thing. 
right? It's very time sensitive. My thing is we don't train very much with special operations on the efficiency part. Everything's the efficiency part. Yeah, you can build a three to one, right? But do you even know where that's at in the bag? And for time, could you even build that? You know what I'm saying? We go so crazy with the scenarios that all the basic, you know, the fire services went very basic. I mean, we've, we know the, the details in basics. Well, technical rescue, we always are wired that way. And I'm that way sometimes, you know, we're wired for technical, mm. but technical is not always the best option. You know, we overthink and say, Hey man, we could do this. And you know, we could put a tear adapter here. We could, you know, flip this and do this and do this. Or we could use a pinch bar with a four by and free the arm. Right. It doesn't look as cool, but it's fast. Yep. Or, you know, we could do this on a dash lift. We could do this and this, and it's fast. I mean, when I can take a, a group of guys that have never done side outs before in a dash, do a no relief dash, which some instructors say don't work, but it has for me for, for since we started doing it. Um, yeah, it was kind of a jab a little bit. Yeah. I, I picked up on that. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, maybe it's just like anything else. You go to house fireman, we couldn't get to the attic. We had a hard time. What happened? Oh, you know, it was just different. Well, what was different? Oh, it had this new concrete ceiling that you couldn't punch through. Well, we went back yesterday and it was, you know, just double layer sheetrock. But no, man, it was a different room. We had a totally concrete room. It had to have been because we couldn't get through to the attic. You know what I mean? There's always. Yeah. That one room was concrete. Oh, yeah. 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 There's no way anybody could have got through that. Right. I mean, that's why we burned the roof off because it had a concrete ceiling. Sure. Um, you know, or, or whatever it is, there's going to be naysayers and stuff. And, and that's why I hate Facebook. I like Facebook for marketing and meeting people and, you know, posting stuff here and there. But Facebook is a ridiculous, you know, Art Ashley just posted a thing this morning. I don't know if you saw it or not. It was his guys around the table outside in the bay. Beautiful thing, man. I mean, talking about having guys together and spending that time together. And then there's guys posting. You realize that there's, you know, a percentage of carcinogens from the exhaust that's still in that bay and um, with, the, with the current cancer ratings. And I, you can ask, I, my German short hair is the only thing home. My wife's at work. And you can ask him right now. I threw up on the floor. I puked all over my floor and on my shoes because that was the most ridiculous. Like, but that's what Facebook is. Yeah. Right? Facebook is kind of bar talk, but you can't get punched in the mouth. Right. Things you'll say in Facebook, you wouldn't say to my face. You know what I mean? I'd, I'd wear your teeth as a necklace. Like, I, I don't, that ain't going to happen, right? So everybody's like super ballsy. Oh, yeah, man, you know, this and this. And, oh, I would have just done this on that fire. You know, it's 11-story, you know, tenement fire. I would have done this. Bro, you're from La Guggenheim, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. You don't have high-rise fires. You probably ain't been in a fire in nine months. Don't tell, you know what I mean, Toledo what they did wrong. Like, dude, I'll lose it. Like, I can't take it. And, and if I didn't like have the business and do this stuff, I'd smash my computer and, and, and say, you know, screw it. I'm, I'm over it. But what I realized, and it was probably five years ago, I really started looking that way. Everything that I do, I kind of base off, um, try to base it off my faith to a degree. But will it matter in 100 years? Right? I, we're not going to be here in 100 years. Put that, put that in your brain. So what I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my gosh, this test and this or this, you know, it's so bad. And like this guy said this, but none of it's going to matter a hundred years from now. Mm-hmm. I try to focus on the things that I will, my legacy with my wife and my kids, my faith, all that stuff. That, that's what I base everything off of because that naysayer, you know, maybe I'll see him at FDIC and I'll knock his teeth out. You know, maybe we will have the interaction at some point, but through the computer, everybody's tough. 
super tough. Everybody's special operations of something, you know, they're, they're a, you know, special forces Marine guy behind here, but they didn't ever pass boot camp. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yep. So the fact checks the same, the same thing with instructors. I've always said that, but back to it. Technical rescue is overly technical. Sometimes I think we have to have the skills, but I think we have to hit the basics, you know, the basis of what we do and why we do it. If it takes us this long to do this and this long to do this, we need to know, Hey, we can set the, you know, Arizona vortex up in 45 seconds. We need to know that we can do it in roughly a minute and a half. We need to figure out how we're going to get that to the top of the grain bin, you know, cause there's been two or three grain bins this last year, you know, bad ones here in Wichita or over the last five years or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like getting the equipment there is a big battle. Setting it up is a big battle. The operation a lot of time is not so much. But if you know how you're doing each thing you're doing, you can do anything you want to do. You know, we just overthink it. And I've said that with with rigs, man. We're getting, uh, I think March is supposed to be done, a tandem axle, you know, two-person front cab walk-in. The new rescue is going to be the, that's my dream is to ride in a walk-in rescue. I'm now assigned to there and I will be riding in a walk-in rescue. Doors open, screaming through downtown. Yeah. You know, I don't really smoke cigars, but I'll probably have to start, you know, and just sit there and, and chew on one for most of the shift. But you know what I'm saying? It's just, yeah. man, I shoot for applicable training, for realism training. That's what I shoot for. Nothing fa- I'm going to do an article for fire engineering that's called Zero New Tricks. You know, extrication, zero new tricks. It's not anything fancy. It's not going to be folding cars in half and stupid crap. This is how we free people quick. And, and with, with extrication, you know, it, it's a big deal, man. Your skill set is totally unfakeable. You mm. can get people out faster you can. All right, Isaac, you want to talk a little bit about um, decision-making on, on a fire ground or rescue scene. I know um, you start reading some books and stuff. We, we function a lot in the form of recognition prime decision-making on the fire ground, which is first solution. Uh, to the problem. Uh, but oftentimes we get judged back at the firehouse or on Facebook or whatever by comparative analysis. And that's not how we really function in the yeah. heat of the moment. Can you talk a little bit about that? Man, when it comes to decision making, I think especially having a big technical rescue background is a lot of times, you know, we overthink. And a lot of times when we overthink, it slows things down. So, like being up and doing a uh, being up a crisis city this week, we would we would go through these things and go through these scenarios, which are very challenging scenarios. And there'd be you know fifteen people w- with some idea of what to do. We can't sit there and gauge all fifteen, and that's where rank comes in and team leaders and stuff like that. But the benefit of the rescue company is you're pretty solo thinking, right? Um, you know when we break or split, officer will say see you in a little bit, or you know, and and we do our own decision making. Now, comparative-wise, when we get back, that's where your Facebook comes in again, right? Because you may do something or, or you know, anything on decision-making, and people are going to judge it. I mean, that's modern, that's modern world. And I, I always say look in the mirror, right? But the people that are judging me personally in my decision-making are the, are the guys that I work with or comparables, as you say. So I was talking to, to my rescue captain, Captain Wenton, the other day a little bit about it. And when it comes to comparison, right? decision-making skill set or any of that we can can skill set or base you know our judging in comparison to like-minded things so I can't say hey Grant 
you know, um, I was really watching what you were doing. We would have done this when I'm on an urban rescue company. You know what I mean? That is not applicable to what you're doing. You're doing, you know, in a section that you're doing. Um, my compare, my comparison would be, and to get better with decision making or, or skill set, is I have to compare to like-minded things or, or like set things. So what we did down in Florida that made, I felt like made us a lot better is we wouldn't compare to anything else in our area. So if I'm riding heavy rescue, for example, does it do good for me to judge or compare on what we would do and what we wouldn't do to an engine company? We're two totally different things, right? Now, some of the skill sets may be the same, but we're totally different. So we didn't get any better that way. Oh man, you know, we're, we're better at cutting cars than, than a truck company is, or we're better cutting cars than an engine company is. Well, doy, think about it. That's not their primary focus, right? I mean, and think about that for a minute. My thing is I'm going to compare to get better in, in, on decision-making all of it to something like, whether that be we look at the way we do dive stuff and, and all this, and we compare it to how we're going to do our operation and decide how we're going to do things to Seattle Rescue One, right? Is an urban rescue company. That would be a comparable. Their water is pretty much the same. Um, you know, we may have more swift water or whatever it is, or we may can compare to Casey Moe you know, rescue nine, or we may compare to, you know, an FDNY rescue, or we may compare to a rescue in Oklahoma city or San Antonio, or, you know what I'm saying? Like our comparison is with, with apples to apples. True. Yeah. I, I mean, think about it. So for me to be judged or have somebody evaluate my work, for example, say on, on a, uh, you know, on an underride, you know, tractor trailer, rear underride, the heavy pin. And I said, Hey, you know, it took, the you know 19 minutes i'll do a national comparison which national average is over an hour hey guys we did pretty good at 19 minutes but what can we do and i make say hey man you know call a buddy from orlando and say on his rescue say hey man this is kind of the time period we have and training we found this what do you guys see in photos of what you think we could do or helmet cam or whatever it may be that's my comparable you know what i mean that's my gauge is other like things if you're in an urban you know fire engine and you're doing fire attack and it's on balloon frame, it does no good for me to call, you know, Guggenheim, Arizona, or whatever the name I made up 10 minutes ago. It, it does no good if they have, you know, no balloon frames. Or, hey, Grant, you know, I really had this ripping. I mean, this, this basement fire last night was ginning. It was just rolling. What do you guys typically do on your basement fire? Do you think you don't have basements, right? So, for, you know, and that's where social media comes back. You know, I did first two questions, me and, and a buddy, Chris Knapp did that for years. And it was incredible because we'd have a guy from Miami, you know, saying, Hey man, this is kind of how we do it. And I'd put up scenarios every day and, and guys would gauge, but that was a newer portion of fire engineering. I mean, not fire engineering, uh, Facebook. And it was a newer version of it to where people weren't really doing what they're doing now. Like the bickering wasn't really there. Um, but what I found out was I learned a bunch from it because I would show, say, on that scenario, a tractor trailer on top of a car. All right, guys, what's, what's your game plan here? And it would airbags, right? Airbags. Well, what? Like, that's great. That's like, you know, say, hey, Grant, what would you do? You got a two-story balloon, you know, fire off two. Well, what would you do? Nozzle. Hose line. You know what I'm saying? And that's with like extrication, especially 
when people don't know really the process, they say whatever the tool is. I mean, if you right now were in a class and, you know, Champo was saying, hey, you know, you got this door, it's heavily fortified, this, this, what's your game plan? Halligan, Halligan bar. People would laugh you out of the room. It doesn't even make sense. But that, that was kind of the basis. So we learned a lot from that and realized kind of through those scenarios what people really didn't know and where we could be better at it. Now, a lot of our teaching was based off that. But then over time, it got worse and worse. And, you know, people, oh, man, I, I had, uh, you know, five fires like that in the last hour. Dang, man. Like, that's pretty awesome. Where are you at? Oh, I'm at uh, um, Frankfurtville. Oh, where's that? Oh, um, uh, you wouldn't know it. We're super urban and super busy. Well, I'm on Wikipedia right now, man. I'm checking it. Like, what's your population? 47. Oh, and you had five burners in, in an hour. That's incredible, man. Like, I'd like to come right out. Uh, we don't allow ride outs. Oh, uh, okay. You know what I mean? And then the profile's gone. <laughs> oh, yeah, and the profile disappeared. His name was John Smoke, Smokey Johnson or whatever it was, you know. Yeah, I think something we got to keep in mind on Facebook and stuff is stuff, it, it can get nasty, but if you really look at it just uh, to try to learn regionally, it, you know, it's different. Manpower is different. Resources yep. are different. Uh, building construction, you know, th that kind of that stuff is different. And uh, we just got to keep that in mind. Manpower so, is big. I mean, that, that was my blessing coming from from where I came from. You know, a, a squad company in, in Florida, we we're, th you know, three. We ran three. We get, if we got lucky, we had four. So that's really helped me with teaching because my mindset is based off limited manpower. I mean, three on a heavy rescue seems low. So that, that's my premise. Like that's where I realized we had to be really efficient and, and quick and we really needed to know what we're doing. But like, if you look at a seven man rescue company, like if I came from a seven man, it's hard for me to go elementary down to three and teach that. Well, uh, it's easy for me to add people, man. I'll have one guy that holds water bottles. I'll have one guy that does this. One guy's holding a flashlight. You know what I mean? And, and I can, I can gauge this out. But when you look in general, like it's hard to go from a lot to a little, to me, it's easy to go from a little to a lot. The operation's hard, but there's less people to manage. And, and the more, the skill is based off the individual people. And I think that's like, when we talk about teaching, I don't really have, I never look at teaching as, um, competition. People would say, man, Hey, that guy teaches, he's in competition for you. No, he's not. You know, we're two totally different things. We both teach extrication, but it's an unfakeable skill. There is nothing to hide behind. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So if you sit in a room with guys that are legitimate cutters, and when I say cutters, like cars, not wrists or anything like that, um, which are probably some of the guys that you hang out with the Starbucks grant, if you're a barista <laughs> from Starbucks, but, um, you know what I'm saying? Like everything that we do, and that's been my premise for everything. Everything we do on skill sets based around the quality of people we're around. Always. I mean, that's always. When you're around, you surround yourself with good people. Like the guys at, at Fours right now are some of the best dudes. I love them to pieces. I mean, we bust balls. Like, you, man, people be like, oh my word. Like 